0: Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is a Perth girl, born and bred, uh, who, like many of us, ventured over east, seeking excitement and adventure. She was initially uh, taken under her wing by the one and only Ian Molly Meldrum. Uh, She has been one of the most popular and recognised faces on our TV screens. She's been a barista all the way on the other side of the world. Uh, She's been married to a world champion tennis player. Uh, She's been a singer and a performer and she's back here in Perth. Has been for a little while. Yes. But let's say hello and welcome to Jo Beth Taylor. Hello. How are you? Hello.
2: I'm very well. Thank you for having me.
1: There's there's so much to cover in this next hour. So um <laughs> your life's been I quite it's now. been quite You've a story, it hasn't right. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to fill in some of the gaps for us though, Joe. But firstly, you're back in Perth. Yes. What brought you back and how have you settled back in? Because I reckon ah. a lot of people probably didn't even realise that you are a Perth girl initially.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh. Absolutely. Born and bred as you said. I um well, my parents are here and I've got three brothers who are also here. So I have lots of nieces and nephews and, you know, quite a big family. And yeah, I've been here for two years now. So I just kind of snuck in before all of COVID happened, which was amazing. And uh, so glad I'm here. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I'd I've, I've been living in Noosa for 16 years, uh, bringing up my son there. And then he left and went overseas to live with his father, who's Austrian, so he's over in Austria at the moment. Haven't seen him for well, since this whole, you know, COVID thing happened. Um, yeah, so two years ago and been enjoying catching up with my family and putting a band together and just catching up with old friends. It's been lovely.
1: Let's go back to the start then. So growing up in Perth, mm-hmm. and I have to, I suppose, address this now. You, you were Joe Beth Taylor growing up. That was a name that you took on. A little later in life. Yeah. Well, but, uh, uh, Joanne Guilfoyle.
2: That's right. And I was doing Perth's Young Entertainers yep. um, from the age of, uh, I think I auditioned when I was 12 and got into the regular team when I was 13. And I kind of always, because I wanted to be a singer since I was five years old, so I kind of always thought that I probably might need a stage name because, you know, <laughs> people used to pronounce, you know, Guilfoyle. I used to get Al-Foyle, <laughs> <laughs> You know, all those names and then I'd get called Guilford, and just, you know, so when I got signed to Molly's label, um, he said, you know, we're going to need a stage name. And I said, yeah, okay. And then one day I was filming a film clip for Indecent Obsession. I was a backing singer. For those of us that are born, um, over 1971, we'll all know Indecent Obsession and, uh, yeah, he just yelled out, Jo Beth Taylor. And it turns out I'm the love child of Michael Gidinski, who's sadly passed, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. And that's of Molly course. for you. And I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course, Mol. And it just stuck. And it's just weird. People started calling me Jo Beth Taylor from that day onwards, and it just stuck. And it was incredible the way it did. Um, I thought about changing it by deed poll <laughs> to Jo Beth Taylor. <laughs> so, what does it
1: say on your driver's license?
2: On my driver's license, it still says um, Joanne Muster
1: Is that right? Because I
2: kept my um, ex-married name because my son and I wanted to have the same name as him. And yeah. Just so he could grow up, you know, with a mum that had the same name as him and, and, you know, yeah. So, it still says that.
1: <laughs> right. And do your mum and dad call you Joe Beth Taylor, or nah. do they still call you Joanne? You're, you're still Joanne. When I'm Joanne in trouble, Gilford, I'm so. Joanne.
2: And I mean, the funny thing is, ever since I've been a small child, or ever since I can remember, I'd always just been Joe. Yeah. Or Jojo, or whatever. So it it had always been Joe anyway. And the only time, as I said, I got called so Joanne was changed. when I was in trouble. So yeah. yeah so Joe was always natural. It was always going to be Joe something, but yeah. we didn't know about the Elizabeth Taylor bit.
1: So one of four kids growing up yep. in the suburbs of Perth. Yes. You mentioned that you had stars in your eyes from a very early age. Yeah. Um. What? How did that come about? Are you from a musical family, a performing, entertaining well, family?
2: I think it's more that my whole family loved music so much. And when I was a little girl, my brothers are 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. There's a big gap. And so when I was about three, we had a family band <laughs> and – um. I just I have an early photo of me dressed, it's the 70s, right? So my yeah. brothers are wearing flares and, you know, they've got the saucepans out and one of my brothers had a guitar and they used to use um, a vacuum cleaner as like a didgeridoo.
1: <laughs> and, a, and I'm just dressed do. in this
2: like weird kind of coat thing with big glasses on and I'm like literally three years old. So, yeah, that was our first band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my brother learnt guitar and, you know, you know just used to love music we always just had music playing mm. constantly and it was all that great 70s stuff like Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and you know some of the disco stuff that went around so I think it just caught on and, and because my brothers had really good taste in music and my mum too I mean there was a lot of Neil Diamond Inglebert Humperdinck that kind of thing too um <laughs> but yeah we just had <laughs> creeping yeah. in. um so yeah we just had music playing all the time yeah and even though we're not a musical family as such I just think I don't know. I just knew that I was going to be a famous entertainer when I was 5. And I just stuck to it and I just imagined it and and dreamt it and you know and, creatively and visualized it, it and, yeah. and it happened. And yeah, so I I always say to people uh, who ask, you know, what's your secret or whatever, I just say to believe in your dreams because mm. they they can come true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you've gone through school then presumably this was still absolutely your your dream despite you know the academics that you do at school yeah um let's go forward then you've mentioned molly meldrum and and how he gave birth if you like to this joe beth taylor (laughs) person i mean how did you even become on molly meldrum's radar how did you had how did how did you meet him how did your worlds collide
2: talk about the way that life you know sliding doors you Mm. know the way life presents itself to you and you just have to take those opportunities what happened was I had recorded a demo album here in Perth yep. um, and I had been obviously working on personal entertainers and some of the guys that were cameramen on that had gone over to do Hey Hey at Saturday and be crew on Hey Hey and knew Molly. So I spoke to one of my old cameramen, uh, his name's Tony Bennett. <laughs> he won't mind me outing him <laughs> is that
1: his stage name as that's well? actually him <laughs> it's his he name. gets texts for sure yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, so he gave my demo to molly and molly called me into the record company and signed me and there and then literally like it was a couple of weeks and i had a record deal wow. with melodion which was just unbelievable i couldn't believe you know yeah imagine this i, I was molly. 18 years cowboy old cowboy hat and all yeah yeah i just i was so starstruck and he was lovely and, you know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right mm. time. And.
1: Was he a mentor of sorts for
2: you? Um, <laughs> Yes, yes, he was. We we ended up being very, very good friends. <laughs> I feel like friends. there's,
1: a, <laughs> there's a, the answer you're going to give and then there's a real answer to that one. No, he,
2: he's amazing, you know. Molly's well, a very eccentric character, as yep. we all know. So, you know, I had, you know, himself and Michael Gideonski, who was kind of like, cause we had mushroom records and then, um, Melodian was a, a offshoot of that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So Michael was always lurking around in the background too. And, um, Molly and I became very firm friends. I actually lived five doors up from him in Richmond for quite some time. So he would call me up on the phone and, and say, come over, lovey, come over. And, and he might play me, you know, the newest Michael Jackson, clip or something. So we became, you know, really good friends and, and, yeah definitely i mean mentor's a strong word <laughs> but definitely one of my the people that i look up to and um yep. you know still do i mean he's a legend there's only one molly
1: mm. and of all the things that you've done through your life and i know you're back here in perth and one of the things that you're pouring a lot of time and energy into is your music for, for all of the things that you've done is is music still you know what really lights you up now
2: yeah i it was really hard when I got the audition for the video show, um, because I really wanted to concentrate on my music. But mm. it's really hard. People don't realise when you record an album and then you're touring, you know, you might not make a cent, you know. So you really can be on the bones of your bum sometimes and and then I got asked to do the video show audition and, you know, having a, a wage every week was just you know, I'm only 21 years old and I'm I'm just thinking, geez, it would be nice to have a regular wage and not have to worry about money so much. Where
1: your next and, meal's coming from. But
2: music was always, you know, um, something that I, mm. in a way, wish that I had gone further with. But again, it's one of those moments, like, what do you do? You know, I yep. could have stayed like a starving musician and maybe never sold a record, you know, or and then missed out on the chance that I've had with all my TV work. So, yep. you know... I always say you shouldn't have regrets, and I don't regret, but I do look back and go, I wonder what would have happened if I hadn't mm. gone down the TV road and I had have stuck with my music. So, yeah. I mean, music's always passion for me and always yeah. will be.
1: We'll never know. <laughs> That's But what right. we can talk about Next is slide. the things you have, you have <laughs> done right after we take a break because, yeah, three massive TV shows that you were the face of uh, through the 1990s uh, that I'm sure were a, you know, a, a defining... Uh, moment in your life Absolutely. As, you, as you reflect on them now. Uh, this is Inspiring Stories. Jo Beth Taylor is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a minute.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Jo Beth Taylor is our special guest in this episode. Uh, after moving east, uh, the, the lure of a career as a as a pop star, Jo Beth, <laughs> um, suddenly TV became your world. Mm. Uh, and all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but you know, in a fairly short space of time, you found yourself uh, out front in three incredibly popular shows uh, in the 1990s. Uh, you had The Funniest Home Video Show. yeah. Hey, hey, Saturday. Yeah, and what's up, Doc? Yeah, as well.
2: well I filled um, in on what's up, Doc. I wouldn't have. I would say that was more Sophie Lee than me. Yeah. I just kind of filled in, but yes, I pretty much did. You it You every were everywhere, year. though. I was. I was the yeah. Eddie everywhere of then. I <laughs> you know, uh, everywhere. How do you happen.
1: reflect on on that time in your life now?
2: Well, oh, it was wonderful because I got to do so many amazing things. You know, we we never expected the video show to do so well. We were the number one show in the country at one point Mm. and I still hold the record as the youngest ever uh, female presenter of a prime time TV show, which was pretty amazing. If you think about it in the nineties and for a woman, a young woman to, to be able to, you know, do that job and, and, uh, I, yeah, I just did so many great things for myself. Like I got to go to Ethiopia and, and, Uganda and meet my sponsor child. I got to go overseas and um, do junkets for Hey Hey It Saturday, got to interview Robin Williams.
1: And he was your first big interview. He right? was my very that's,
2: first, yeah. That's
1: quite a Oh, it was, quite talk a start. about
2: throwing yeah. yourself into the deep end. Or I mean, the what,
1: what was that like, meeting Robin Williams? I mean, this is the 90s too. You yeah, know, he, was at, he was At the huge. peak of his powers. then.
2: Um, he'd just come off um, Mrs. Doubtfire and, yeah. and all that huge success there and I interviewed him for the movie, The Birdcage, which was, I loved it. I thought it was a brilliant movie, but, and yes, I was absolutely, I was so nervous. I thought I was you know, going to be sick literally, but um, he was just so beautiful and lovely and kind and, and, you know, he gave me so much time and um, yeah, just that warmth and, you know, just made me feel like I wasn't a silly young girl, (laughs) that Mm. I was, you know, worthy of his time and He's one of my favourite ever, you know, famous people I've ever mm. met and probably always will be, you know.
1: Who are the others that you have strong memories of?
2: Uh, Danny DeVito was really lovely. He yeah. was classic. Um, tiny. Like,
1: gosh, <laughs> yeah. so
2: tiny, much tinier than you would imagine. Um, you know, I've got lots of Australian people, you know, like John Farnham, just just musical, you know, Kate Sobrano, you know, people like that who are also just beautiful people and so talented. I think we have this talent pool in Australia and it's just basically geography because, you know, we have these amazing voices and whatever that come out of our country and they just never make it worldwide. But it's just, again, it's just geography. So, yeah, that was a couple. Nick Cage was my worst one. Oh, he yeah. Was <laughs> and it I was ashamed. As as I you're the only one to
1: say that. He has a <laughs> reputation, doesn't he?
2: I was so bummed because I was a, a real fan. I yeah. love his movies. And um.
1: And, and what was the problem? He was just just, oh, rude and just
2: It was like, no, nah, it was... Just nothing. Like I'd ask him a question and he just kind of answered with monotone blank face. Yeah, you know, just, just didn't want to be there. And he comes across as a pretty zany, eccentric kind of dude. Yeah. So I was expecting like a really fun kind of interview um, and he gave me nothing. And as you know, when you're interviewing people and, you know, they don't give you anything, it's tough.
1: It's hard work. But yeah,
2: it's really tough. So he he was my toughest. Um, but generally, everyone was really nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: TV does have a reputation at times for being this place of extravagance and indulgence, uh, particularly in years gone by. I'm sorry to say that.
2: Yeah, I know, not anymore.
1: anymore. (laughs) But I mean, at the '90s, as you say, you were on a top-rating show in the the funniest home videos. Hey, hey, Saturday as well. Yeah, was massive for so long. Yeah. Again, as you as you look back on those times, um, you must have found yourself in such a crazy environment.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I remember when the Tim Tams got taken out of the office and replaced with milk arrow roots that we knew that we, our budget was being cut. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty hedonistic in the in Sydney, especially well, and Melbourne, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. In the nineties and that was just the way that it was. It just yeah. carried on from the eighties really. Um, and it was a pretty crazy environment. Although, you know
1: Did I you think- did you see stuff? happening? Did you hear of stuff happening that you thought, wow, this is just off the charts. I just, I'd never thought I'd see this sort of just hedonistic, indulgent, whatever behavior that, you know, the little girl from Perth who's followed her dreams over East, what am I doing here?
2: Yeah, I guess, um, I guess... I find the things that happen now kind of more crazy, you know, yeah. what happens with, say, Kim Kardashian and Kanye and, and you know, the, the amount of money spent on that stuff. But I think that we we managed to have fun, but we always kept a lid on it because yep. we had a job to do. At, and um. so, and I think being younger too, you're a little bit you know, mm. kind of protected in some ways. And because I'd been in television already here in person since I was 13, I kind of, I was a lot older than I probably was in chronological age.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and, yeah, I like to just stay out of trouble, contrary yep. to um, some reports. But, you know, I like to have fun. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we, we kept a lid on it most of the time.
1: Yeah, um, Daryl Summers, who you would have spent a long time, you know, working alongside yep. on Hey Hate Saturday, recently said that Hey Hate Saturday just it wouldn't get a run now because of political correctness and yeah. all the rest of it. Cancel yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, you agree with that? Do you, do you think the show would, would struggle to find a place now?
2: It was funny because I just um, – I've met Kamal before. And mm-hmm. I'll just talk about this for one sec because it's just been in the news. Um, and he's a lovely guy and I know the controversy that's been going on about Kamal on Hey Hey. And, yep. the, and I don't think that they ever did it to him to be mean. I just mm. think that – with say, hey, hey, everyone was fodder for the joke, including us. Like, you know, we, we used to, you know, get the Mickey taking it out of us all the time. Yeah. Um, and I definitely agree that it wouldn't make the screens now, and that's a shame. But, I, but then you think about shows like going back to the 70s, like the Benny Hill show or the Kenny Everett video show oh, people would on. remember from the yeah. 80s, or God, the Paul Hogan show, or even some of the Don Lane stuff with um, – Bert Newton, not that I was a bit young for that, but, you know, Bert would come out dressed as Demise Rousseau and then that would be seen as racist in this day. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah. I just hope it doesn't go too far because mm. I understand that it is offensive and no one can ever say to a person of coloured skin that it's not offensive unless you walk in their shoes. So that's, that's fair enough. But... I think comedy and satire is comedy and satire. And I mean, you know, you look at the life of Brian and all the Monty Python stuff and there's a lot of really great entertainment that wouldn't have made it to air and I think that's a shame. Yeah. It's a, I guess it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Because we can't you know, he can't make everyone happy all the time. Not everyone
1: finds the same things funny. <laughs>
2: exactly, that's, and that's, that's comedy. Humor.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: and that's humor.
1: Um by the end of the of the 90s, you seemingly disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you can you tell us what happened there?
2: Um, Sure, I basically got completely burnt out. Mm. I had been striving for greatness, I guess you, you know, in my own head. Anyway, yeah. you know, I'd put a lot of pressure on myself.
1: But, but, and, and just going back to that, what yeah. what was your sort of your end game? Doing so much TV work, did you think this is this is what I am now, or do you think this is a stepping stone? to something else did you have like a next phase in your mind that all of what you were doing and that hard work and the mad hours that you're doing Mm. did you think this is going to take me to somewhere else or did you think that was it i've got to maintain it
2: i think i look back good question by the way Mm. i look back on that now um again in your 20s i think that you just ride whatever's happening at the time like I had this whole thing that I wanted to win a Grammy Award, you know, with Mm. my music, and that was my goal. But I'd had that goal since I was very, very young. And, you know, it wasn't like all of a sudden I went, oh, I want to win a Logie. But I'd been doing theatre in musical theatre and done a few productions, and so that was really awesome as well. So I was just basically writing whatever came my way, and I basically said no. Um, I didn't say no to anything. So, yeah, I just got really super, super burnt out, and I – just woke up one morning and couldn't go to work and that just started, you know, call it a breakdown, call it a, you know, whatever term you want to put on it. But I just decided it was too much for me Mm. and I needed a break. And so I went off to San Diego and that's when I became a barista.
1: Yeah, which is the start of another (laughs) chapter, which we might get to after the break. But just just before we do, uh, you know, again, looking back, you were probably one of the first people to really talk openly about. Mental health struggles, right? Yeah,
2: I think I was the first. I can't find anyone else before me. And um, yeah, I I took a lot of stick for it, actually, which Mm. wouldn't happen today. No. But, you know, maybe I started something.
1: (laughs) Started a conversation that had to to happen. Um, We'll get on to your next adventures as as a barista in California. (laughs) Yeah. Who knew? Uh, Right after we take a break, Jo Beth Taylor is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories, back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the colourful adventures of the one and only Jo Beth Taylor. Uh, Joe, before we get you to describe, you know, life as a barista in San Diego. It just seems like such a random statement to say. I know. Um you can I know you came back to Perth after sort of things uh came to a halt in yep. your in your T V world. Yeah. Um East. Um was Perth a a sanctuary of sorts for you back then? Was it a place where you could just come back home and just Exactly breathe and exactly. wind down?
2: Exactly.
1: Having said that you still had to deal with some, had to deal with some crap then, didn't you? I mean, I know yeah. you had it, like you had a, a radio station, for instance, in Sydney, mm-hmm. that had this competition encouraging people to to hunt you down.
2: Yeah, basically to get a shot of me, and I had, you know, which was really cruel. You know, like that's, when you come yeah. out and you say that, well, I guess I just dis- disappeared. <laughs> that's the word that everyone wants to use, but obviously to me, I was in, you know, pain at the time, mentally and, um you know, it's a big decision to leave, mm. uh, you know,
1: was, I mean, was it, was it hard or did, did your health kind of make the decision for you?
2: Yeah. I just didn't see a way out as anyone that's had any mental health issues, um, can attest to at the time, you just don't see it you mm. know, because all you want is out and you just, you know, you're exhausted. And, and I also felt that, I had such a great job, and so many people wanted to, my job and wanted to be in my shoes that it felt kind of fake to be mm. continuing my job if I didn't really love yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Um. So that was an, another major factor. because yeah. I thought I should be loving this, you know, and I'm not, and I felt a bit, a, yeah, a, a bit guilty about taking the job from another person who could who could love it as much as I used to, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to get home and see my parents, obviously, and I needed to get out of Sydney. And I knew Melbourne wasn't going to be any easier because of Hey Hey, and I was quite – well, I was very well-known there too. Mm. So Perth was the obvious Mm. uh, choice. And I just wanted to be surrounded by family Mm. and I wanted to come home. And so it was really healing. I actually rented a house as far away from anything I could get. Um, in those days it was up at Queens Rocks.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: So I rented a house up there cause I had a big Dalmatian, huge Dalmatian and it was fantastic up there. There was a big dog beach and I could have him at the rental. And so I rented a house up there for, um, I don't know, about six months Yeah, and then went to San Diego.
1: Yeah. And, and then how do you go from, from being everywhere on TV to suddenly making coffees Yeah, for complete strangers as a stranger yourself? Yeah. Yep. To the people of San Diego, how does that happen?
2: Well, I'd been to LA before and I hadn't been to San Diego, but my boyfriend at the time was a San Diegan and we were both living here together and we were thinking, what are we going to do now? Um, and he had sailed his yacht from San Diego over here. I know, long story. But um, so he said, why don't we go and live in San Diego? No one will know you there and you can just surf And because I was surfing at the time and, and um, just be anonymous. And it just sounded so amazing. Mm. because I'd, you know, if you think about it, I'd been doing TV since I was 13. So I was 27, I think at the time. So it's already 14 years down the track of, of really working, being on the road with my band, you know, all that stuff, you know, doing big arenas and not with my band, but doing supports for like new kids on the block and stuff like that. It was a lot of pressure for a young person. Mm. So the thought of doing, just going somewhere where no one knew you was just awesome to me and, so I'm over in San Diego surfing a lot and I meet this lady who owns a coffee shop and uh, it was called Reds. She had long flaming hair and she she was just awesome and she said, why don't you come and work for me and I'll teach you how to make coffee and so I said, okay. So yeah, I used to get five bucks a US like, under the table, kind of. Shouldn't say that now, <laughs> but. Um, but it's so long ago now. <laughs> Um, but it was awesome. It was awesome. It was really one of the best times of my life. And I'm still friends with her on Facebook yeah. and, and all my friends that I met in San Diego. And um, yeah, it was really a wonderful time of my life. Yeah. And so I, how long I, were
1: you there for in the end?
2: I was there for a year and I opened the shop myself at um, five o'clock in the morning. And then I was finished by ten thirty, eleven, my shift. So then I could go surfing all mm. the rest of the day. Brilliant. So it was just like this perfect life for yeah. a little while.
1: And are you a coffee snob now? Um, I am. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't. I, can't, I don't drink a lot of coffee anymore because it just, um, yeah, it just makes me too hyper. So <laughs> I'm a two drinker now. I'm more refined and old.
1: <laughs> Let's go forward now to. Um, another chapter in your incredible life. And you mentioned this, this famous name beforehand when I asked you about your driver's license. Muster mm-hmm. is still on your driver's license. Mm-hmm. I think people who have sort of maybe some vague uh, knowledge of your, of your life may have forgotten or may not realize that for a time you were married to a former world number one tennis player yep. in Thomas Muster. Yep. Again, talk us through how? it. How does that happen?
2: Uh, How it happened was we met at the um, Australian Grand Prix Celebrity Race, um, which was fantastic that year. We had lots of really good people in our race. Um, And we fell in love, basically, and we got married and went to Austria, got married there. And six months later, I was pregnant. And so within a year and a half, I had met someone, got married, fell pregnant, and six months after that, had my son.
1: Wow. Yeah, so what in two years
2: I had met someone and then basically... At,
1: yeah. And at what stage of his career was, was he at at that point?
2: He had been retired about a year and a half, I think. And he had a house in Noosa. So mm. he was, um, he was, yeah, just hanging out in Melbourne doing bits and pieces for the ATP. And, and um, yeah, he's a really good racing car driver. He actually...
1: So how did, did you race against him initially?
2: Mm, I, ra- I raced against him, yeah. yeah. Him and Richard Wilkins, Michael Gidinski, Russell Gilbert, Lavinia Nixon was in that race. Um, gosh, it was some really cool. Some big names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you go? I think I came fourth last because I, <laughs> I didn't even drive a manual car. So, like, <laughs> I'm crunching gears all over the racetrack. And, yeah, it's just, it's great fun. It's the yeah. best week. Yeah. It's really great. So, and, yeah, that changed my life big time.
1: And, and again, you know... It seems like um, as we're sort of going through chronologically chronologically your, your life here, things sort of seem to change and happen very quickly. quickly yeah. And I suppose this is a great example yeah. where, you, where you meet someone in a celebrity car race and then within yeah. weeks literally you're engaged and then, you know, there's a yeah. child. It, again, as you reflect on that time, yeah. how do you sort of, yeah, how do, how do you process that?
2: I've always been one of those people that, believes in fate and sometimes to my demise. (laughs) So, um, you know, I've, I always go, okay, if, if the opportunity is there, you should take it. Mm. And, and sometimes that has got me into trouble. I'm not saying that with Thomas, Mm. but, but, um, yeah, it's a whirlwind and I've learned as I've gotten older to take things a little bit more slowly and maybe think about things a little bit more than just jumping (laughs) into, Mm. you know, life as it presents itself to you, you know? (laughs) I don't know if that's right or wrong, but um, yeah, I think with age you just slow down naturally, don't you?
1: Yeah, you you, you have well, not to... you.
2: You're still a young and
1: oh, <laughs> thank you. I'll take that, but not really. Um, your son Christian, though, that you yeah. had uh, with with Thomas, um, I know you've been unable to see him uh, in the last year and a bit because of, yep. of COVID. How's that? Really,
2: been? really, really hard. Because he um, was
1: he was living here in Australia with you, as I understand right? Yeah. Pretty much his his entire life pre COVID. Yes. Yeah, Yeah,
2: so basically um, I brought him up from 18 months old onwards and yeah, he's everything to me. So Mm. my heart goes out to everyone listening out there that hasn't been able to see their loved ones over this time because it's really, really, it's tough. Mm. And I think, you know, for those of us that are used to, I think Australians, we all love overseas travel, don't we? So, Mm. you know, just that feeling of not being able to go overseas, especially when you have... Loved ones. I know people that haven't seen their folks who are elderly. And, you know, my son will be uh, 20 in July. I'm going to miss that. I missed his 19th. You know, it's just yeah. all those things that you can't get back.
1: How are you staying in contact?
2: FaceTime and... Um, I'm just harassing him <laughs> constantly. Instagram message, so it looks like I'm on like i on, on all social media all the time, but I'm actually just talking to him.
1: Just talking to yourself. Yeah, yeah.
2: People are like, don't you do anything with your life? Shut up! I'm talking to my son. And and <laughs>
1: and what sort of a kid is he? Is he a musical kid? No. Or is he a tennis playing kid? No.
2: He he loves skateboarding actually. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah he's he's a sweetheart. But, you know, like all kids, I mean, 19 in this day and age, it's not easy. You mm-hmm. know, I think this, that growing up in this era is really, really hard. Yeah. And I'm finding that a lot of kids um, are really finding that, they're, that they that don't really know what to do and are, with their life. You mm-hmm. know? I don't know if it's too much choice, not enough choice. Work is hard to get, you know. So, yeah, he, he's still finding his way, but he'll get there.
1: Yeah. Um, In more recent years, you've sort of dipped your toe back in that sort of celebrity TV world a little (laughs) bit. I know you've done uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, uh, Dancing with the Stars. How did you find that sort of just stepping a little, you know, a little way at least back into that environment?
2: Well, I'd never done any reality TV before and I had no intention of doing any. But um, yeah, Dancing with the Stars was was really hard work actually and I had... Christian at the time was about five. So that was really hard juggling both. And mm. the jungle, I must really get me out of here, was just off the chart crazy. Um, who were
1: you in there with in your series? That was 2016, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. So that was Shane Warne, Brendan Favola. Oh, God. Anthony Collier, <laughs> um, uh Who else? Val Lehman, who was B Smith yeah. in Prisoner, who was beautiful. Um, Bonnie Lithgow, she was, um, a judge on, so you think you can dance? Well, she, that was her show. Yeah, Uh, she's amazing. She's a lady. Um, and who else? Oh, Courtney, um, Courtney Hancock, who's a, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you can edit that. <laughs>
1: she's an
2: iron woman. Oh, God. Right. Brain snap. Yeah. Yep. Courtney Hancock, who's an iron woman. So we had a really cool crew. Yeah. Lots of, um, lots of stuff went down.
1: I, and I have to ask, what was the most disgusting thing you had to eat?
2: Antelope nipple.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. It's
1: not every day you hear someone say that. <laughs> it was disgusting. Antelope nipple. <laughs> and wow. And yes,
2: it's very chewy and really rubbery, and it was literally a nipple, and it was disgusting. But we were all really, really starving. But, mm. And oh, um, Paul, Paul Haller, and who's um from rugby? You know Paul. He was um, he was so hungry that he fainted and fell back and almost hit his head on this like stump, this wooden stump. And and so we did that trial just shortly after. I did it with Lorena Fleur, who was like the dirty street pie girl on The Bachelor. We did not get on well at
0: all. <laughs>
2: so they put us in this trial together to see who would eat what. And um, I just thought of the chief and I just thought, I have to eat this. Yeah. And I, yeah. Cause so- I don't even eat meats. Like am I haven't eaten red meat. Or chicken or anything like that in years and years and years so it was really super hard for me and then there was like this milkshake thing that was Oof. just a mush of all and I did say no to the camel's testicle but I think Lorena ate there it. Fair
1: enough you've got to draw a line somewhere right? <laughs> and then
2: I did another one that was all about chili so that there was like a chili tarantula and a chili so yeah I had this really hot chili and Oh, it was just disgusting. Was
1: Sounds disgusting. delightful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The things you do, eh? Yeah, yeah, the things you do. <laughs> it was a
2: really good experience, though. I'm super glad I did it.
1: Yeah, all right. We'll get on to uh, more pleasant <laughs> uh, parts of your journey right after we take another <laughs> break. This is Inspiring Stories. Joe Beth Taylor uh, is our special guest. Back with more after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Jo Beth Taylor. Jo Beth, uh, we mentioned at the very start that you're you're back in Perth. One of the things that you're pouring everything into uh, is your music. Am I right in calling that your your true love, your one true love that's been with you through your entire life? Yes, Um, you are
2: right in saying that
1: tell me what you're doing what's your what's your band what's your style what are you doing with it
2: well it all kind of happened during covid because it, it, i guess we had the time to go okay what do we really want to do you know mm. and i said to my hubby at the time no not, not my hubby at the time he's still my hubby <laughs> um, but at the time i said gee i'd like to get back into music so you know i spoke to um, a friend of mine Dave Green who has DG Global puts on lots of events here in Perth this is what I'd like to do um, and he started to say well let's put a band together you can do some corporate work so that's what we're doing i've got a percussionist a bass player and a dj and we're aiming mainly at um, corporate stuff but you know we're not we're not putting a cap on it so yeah we're, we're kind of funk soul disco a called joe beth taylor and uh, the vinyl vinyl revival
1: there you go. Well, finally, yeah. <laughs> Vinyl's out selling CDs these days, exactly. so the revival's definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely so back on. So
2: we're doing, you know, some really cool old dance floor stuff and, you know, a bit of new stuff as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. And what's that like, sort of that being your kind of number one avenue for your creative talents?
2: Well, I just feel days. really lucky that, you know, I'm 50 soon, so I can still do it really. Mm. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, I just feel really lucky, and you know, to have the opportunity to get back out there, and um, after all these years, get back to what you know how it all started, and especially in my hometown, you know, yep. um, it's really special for you know for once my family can actually come and see me play, and yep. so that's really nice. It's been years.
1: Get since. back and see Joanne Gilfoyle up on the that's stage. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your your partner, uh, mm-hmm. he's got uh, kids of his own. Yeah. Um, is he from Perth as well, or
2: he's originally from Sydney? But okay. he was living in Noosa, so that's right. where we met up there. Yeah, okay. so you know we're we're kind so of you've empty nesters. Him over to the west side. Yeah, we're, we're empty nesters now because all our kids are kind of you know doing their own thing. Yeah. which is really weird. It makes me sound really old, but um, yeah, it's a whole different lifestyle. You can go out to lunch. You can <laughs> you know go to the movies when you want. Start a band. <laughs> start a band. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. We're having a midlife crisis. We always joke.
1: <laughs> hey, if you're having a midlife crisis together, that's not the worst thing in the world.
2: Maybe the band will earn me enough money so I can go and buy my Ferrari. And exactly. then definitely having one. If you see me driving around first, Tim, you'll know what's gone wrong.
1: Things are well, all, <laughs> all going well. All right. <laughs> As I said before, your, your life seems to be like a series of adventures. Often, you know, the one that follows bears little resemblance to the one you've <laughs> left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that's, you know, have you got more adventures to come?
2: Well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, you I know, mean, what, I, what
1: are the things that you'd like to do?
2: Well, I'm very passionate about animal welfare. Um, so, you know, I'd love to get back to Africa. I was doing some work with the rhino orphanage over there mm-hmm. um, called Rhino Revolution. And yeah, so we had little baby um, orphan rhinos who are now um, back out on the savannah and one of them's pregnant. So that's really, really cool. Uh, so I'd like to do a bit when we can travel again, mm-hmm. get back to Africa and get involved in that again. And, um, yeah, just things that, that I'm passionate about. You know, I just did a, um, a campaign with the Perth dog Dogs Home recently where I was locked in a cage for the day um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was really fun. So, you know, I hope to get involved with the community a lot as well.
1: Yeah. I, I know you were heavily involved with uh, with World Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, for still am a, for yeah. a time yeah yeah,
2: yeah. still am I have when, a, when did
1: that become uh, part of your your life and a project for you uh,
2: actually when I was 13 I started a concert at school because um, Bob Geldof had just put together Live Aid and I just mm. was so inspired by that and I started to do the 40 hour famine and then I have had sponsored children ever since I got my job on the video show and I've had I've got to visit two of them now um, so that's really a passion for me and, yep. you know, um, I still donate every month and, mm. you know, I've seen their work firsthand and they're such an amazing organisation and, yep. um, yeah, it, it brings things into um, into your life when you get to see how a lot of the world lives, you know, it's just so incredible how these people can survive and, and you know, World Vision helps them to prosper and, mm. and you know, that's a beautiful thing.
1: Do you still get recognised in the street?
2: Yeah. yeah, I just got back from Melbourne last week for Michael Kudinsky's, um memorial and I was getting recognised over there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I do get recognised sometimes, you know. Normally I have to have my hair down and put makeup on. I can get away with it if I just put a ponytail <sighs> in and um, just wear a hat.
1: Sometimes, and, yeah. and, and who are the people that recognise you? Do they recognise you from, from Hey Hey It's Saturday or from more recent things? What What do um, they mostly?
2: Kids recognise me from the jungle, from I'm a Celebrity, yeah. and the adults always um, remember me from Hey Hey and the video show. Yeah. So it really, you know, I think doing the jungle show was really good because mm. I had a lot of little fans mm. from that. So that's always really nice. Do
1: you, do you like that? Do you, Do you still... Get a buzz from when people recognize you in that way?
2: Uh, I don't really get a buzz per se, but it's just, I love people. So it's nice to, you know, if I can make someone happy or they feel happiness out of meeting me or whatever, then I think that's something that us in the public, I can give back, you mm. know. So it's a buzz when I see them happy, but I don't get any ego. Yeah. GM. Look how great I am! <laughs> I don't really get that, but um, yeah, I love to make people happy. So
1: well, look, maybe people will start recognizing you from your band soon. So, as a as a final question, uh, Joe, yes. uh, tell us th- about the band's launch, uh, where and when.
2: So we're at the Rosemount Hotel on uh, May the thirteenth. Yep. Yeah, it starts. I'm not sure when it starts actually. So, um. I will have to check that out and let you know, Tim, and you can announce it for me.
1: (laughs) We will do. But in the meantime, thank you so much for coming in and sharing some of your very colourful life. It's been fascinating. Thank
2: you so much for having me. It's It's been been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.
1: You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.